if that made you really uncomfortable, I hope that you come to, back to church next week. Uh, above all of that, I hope that it would be a question that you think about. How is Jesus working in my life? What, what parts of his character and his love has he been showing me? And I think it's important for us to know that God is real. God is at work in our lives. God cares deeply about you. And he is involved in your life. Uh, we've been walking through the Bible. And uh, what I hope happens today is maybe a light bulb or a, just an encouragement. Um, I, I wasn't so great at school, but if you, if you gave me a coloring page, I did terrible with it. But I really, really enjoyed Connect the Dots. Any other Connect the Dots fans out there? I mean, that was my jam, like one number to the next. Uh, and it would reveal this picture. And I hope that today is a little bit of a Connect the Dots so that we see the picture at the end of it of God's loving mercy that is the story throughout the Bible. That God has been faithful. That God is at work in in history, and God is at work today in our lives in this very moment. And, and I think the assurance and the sort of hope that we get is that God is also at work in tomorrow, and that we have a God who gives us hope and comfort for every day and every moment of our lives. And so uh, where we're at in our journey is we're in the book of Numbers, and I was thinking, man, there's no better way uh, to really get people excited about a sermon series on numbers than just to say today's sermon series is the book of numbers. It's like, yeah, the accountants, they unite. They're like, yeah, all right, more, give me more numbers. Let's take a census this morning. You know, it's like, uh, and it's like, you know, as we think about, um, as we think about how do we, how do we draw near to God through this? And I think that we need to kind of dispel the notion that numbers is a boring book. Uh, Numbers is the uh, really incredible tale of or or story of the actual happenings of the Israelites who are wandering through the wilderness. And it's the story of very real trials and temptations that the Israelites face and often falter in. And it's also then the story of God's faithfulness and how he is forever faithful towards the Israelites despite their failures. And you think, okay, well, how does that connect with me? Well, that same God who was faithful to them in their trials and their temptations and in their failures, that same God is revealed to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we see him in his story, drawing us to him, calling us his own. And we see in Jesus's faithfulness that he imparts it to us, that we have a life in God. And so we wonder, as we wander through numbers, How does it impact me? Well, I think that every single one of us can say that we have faced anxiety in our lives. I think every single one of us can say to each other that we have faced moments where we've wondered if God is there and if God is present and if God cares about me. And I think every one of us have gone on journeys where we wondered, does God still care about me and my situation and what's going on in my world? And the story of Numbers It's how people wrestle with those questions and how God proves himself faithful over and over and over again that we have a faithful and loving God and he hasn't turned his back on them and he's not turning his back on us, his children in Christ. And so as we look at the book of Numbers, I actually want to continue in the book of Hebrews. 
Because Hebrews looks back at Numbers, it looks back at Exodus, it looks back at Deuteronomy, and Hebrews gives us a sort of commentary of this sort of how does this all connect. And I don't just want to look at Hebrews, I also want to review all of my sermons up to this point. And so I know you guys are like, oh man, let me take notes, I am so thrilled for this moment. First time guests are like, oh boy, as you should be. So let's dig in. If you look at Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews is the book that we read this last month, and it's so important for us as we kind of look back and walk through numbers. I want us to see that the story of the Israelites is still informing how Christians would respond to this good news of who Jesus is. You think about what Bible did the first church have? It was the Old Testament. And so they drew upon those stories to shape and inform how they would live their lives and follow Christ. And so this is just that instance. In Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to read a good chunk of it. Therefore, holy uh, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house was of greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. There are a few things going on, but what we should pick up on is, is one, he's like, okay, let's circle back to the Old Testament, let's take a look at things, and let's look at the person Moses. Moses was a faithful servant in God's house. And then he says, Jesus, he's been faithful over all of it. And so Moses did a good job, but Jesus, he's going to do better. And then the rest of the book of Hebrews is like how Jesus is greater than Moses, how he offers a greater covenant, and he'll get into all that. And you've read Hebrews, and we've talked about it. But what he's doing is he's setting the stage for the rest of the book, and I think he's setting the stage for all of our hearts as we think about, how do I follow Jesus? Or how do I navigate each day? Or better yet, just how do I get out of bed and not be grumpy? All right. And if we get it down to what he's saying is is there's a few things going on. And one is it's where you have your confidence and your hope. The heart of what the Hebrews preacher, we don't know who it was, what he's getting at is, is where is your confidence? And I think a lot of times we wrestle with where we put our hope and where we put our confidence and our assurances. I think that we have a tendency to think that we can be confident in and of ourselves, that I find my confidence from within, that if I would just muster up the courage, that I would find, I would find the confidence to face what's ahead. Sometimes we find our confidence in the, our appearances, that we would have the right clothing and that we would sort of, we would sort of present ourselves as sort of confident. You know, look good, feel good, be confident, that sort of material thing. We might struggle with our confidence just in in general and not have any confidence whatsoever and really be kind of of an Eeyore of sorts. 
I know, Winnie the Pooh. I, it all could come back to Winnie the Pooh, I think. Uh, I'm thinking about that series right now, actually, in my wanderings of my brain. But as we think about our lives, where do we find our confidence? And the assurance that this rest of this book is about is that you would find your confidence solely and completely in who Jesus is as a faithful servant, as the faithful son over all of God's house. And so we put our confidence in him, and so the rest of the book is the reasons why you can have your confidence in him. Why, why Jesus is trustworthy. And so he starts all of it by saying, let us fix your thoughts, fix all of our thoughts on Jesus. It's like, okay, sure, the preacher tells me to fix my thoughts on Jesus today. And as soon as you get in your car, um, you know, it's pretty easy to not think about that. You can start thinking about, okay, what's for dinner? How much are groceries going to be? Uh, oh, that guy cut me off. I'm mad at him. Like, fixing all of our thoughts on Christ, it's like, okay, thanks for the recommendation, but how do I do that? How do I do that? And I think that it's just the continual reminder these continual nudges through the Spirit. It's these place cards in front of you. It's these scriptures around you. It's people who support you. It's having friends and community that remind you what we're supposed to fix our thoughts on. If it was uncomfortable to talk about Jesus in the context of the church, maybe we need to think about our relationship with him. Am I fixing my thoughts on him? Am I aware of what he's doing in my life? Is he stirring in me? And I, and I believe that he is. And so let's fix our thoughts on him and let's ask those questions and let's encourage one another uh, each day. As I think about for our own walk and our own journey together, where there are a lot of temptations, and I think that it is in this sort of doubt in who Christ is, and I think it's pulling away from community. And what the Hebrews book is all about seems like, to me, that we can trust Jesus and have our confidence in him and also don't neglect the community that fosters that and encourages it. We spend our whole days being beat down about what we believe and hold to be true about Jesus being the Son of God and the Savior of the world who is Lord and Savior for all of us. And we, we get beaten down in that truth and in isolation, I think, that it works. Whereas when we have one another, encourage one another daily, that's what the scriptures call us towards. We need community, we need encouragement, we need each other. Go ahead and take a second and say to each other, I need you. You guys are really great this morning. It's like, it's like, do we really have to do what the preacher says? Yes, you do. You do need each other. Think about all the ways in which you need one another every day. We are not, we are not okay without each other. I'm not okay. I, I need you, and I need your support and encouragement. And I know that our young people need support and encouragement. I know our elderly folks need support, encouragement, love, and we need each other, and it, you in between that, I don't know about you, but uh, no, every one of us, we need encouragement. And so let's put our, fix our thoughts on Christ, let's know that we have confidence in him, and we'll keep going there in chapter 3, verse 7 of Hebrews.
So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end, as has just been said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. So the preacher revisits Exodus and Numbers. He revisits the Psalms that sort of look back at that wilderness experience. And he says to them, there's something going on here for Israel. Israel, they were saved. The word that they used to express what God did when he brought Israel out of Egypt was the word salvation. They were delivered from slavery. For them, they were delivered from death. They were delivered from suffering. They were delivered from pain. And so for them, they would look at it and they would celebrate frequently year-round this sort of celebration and remembering that God was faithful to deliver them out of Egypt. But what happens? Well, the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers happens, and it's the story of trials and temptations and difficulties and these sort of questions, of real-life questions of, God, I have all of this anxiety, we have all of this pain, we have all of this suffering, we don't have any water, there's you know, there's no food, no shelter. What are we to do, God? Do you care about us? Those trials and temptations. And then they turned from God. And their hearts were hardened. And so for this preacher, looking at his congregation and thinking of them and praying for them, he says, and he looks at them, he says, they never got to enter God's rest. They never enjoyed the promised land. They never enjoyed those blessings. And I want desperately for you to experience the rest of God and the peace of God and the forgiveness of God and the comforts and promises of eternal life in the kingdom of God that you have in Jesus Christ. I want that for you more than anything. And so let's learn from our past and let's learn from our ancestors and let's learn to be forever grateful. And so let us encourage one another daily so that our hearts don't turn away from who God is and what He's done for us. And don't let any one of us ever forget that Jesus is faithful and He cares so much for you. So encourage one another daily because you need daily encouragement. Do you need daily encouragement? 
Do you need the people next to you? So when we think about when we think about what the preacher is preaching, it's this very real concern that he has, and he spends quite a bit of the book reminding them, let's not let our hearts wander. Let my heart not wander. And let it not be hardened to who you are, God, and what you've done. Maybe that's your prayer. God, don't let my heart be hardened to you, but soften it now and let, it, let there be people in my life who would speak to me and encourage me, and God, may I be that for someone else. Let God be at work in your heart now so that you can be at work in someone's heart tomorrow. Let God stir in you this love for him. So as we look at the encouragement and challenge, he says they experienced salvation. They experienced deliverance. They, they were there. They saw the miracles. They walked through the sea. If they can wander, then it's possible, it seems, that you can know of Jesus, but then also wander away. Don't let that happen to you. Turn your heart towards Him. We've wandered uh, kind of around the Bible and I'm sure that some of you think there's no method to Jordan's madness, and you're probably right. And, but uh, uh, way back in the early of the, uh, start of the year, we started with Genesis. And we looked at Abraham, and we kind of got the foundation of who Abraham is and, and his people. Uh, then we, we jumped uh, over to the book of Matthew, and we walked through the book of Matthew, and I called it On the Mountain with Jesus. And Jesus, throughout the Gospel of Matthew, spends time on the mountain. Different mountains for different reasons. One mountain is the mountain of his temptation. And when Jesus is tempted, Jesus stays faithful. And so what we should pick up when we start reading through the book of Matthew is that Jesus is telling Israel's story. And where Israel fails, Jesus is faithful. And so when we look at Matthew chapter 4 and, and uh, 3 and 4, when Jesus is tempted, and Jesus remains faithful. And then we looked at Jesus' teaching, and he teaches the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is on the mountain teaching. It's a lot like Moses ascending the mountain and receiving the law from God in Mount Sinai. And so then he comes down and he shares with the people. Only the difference here is, is that Jesus does what? He invites the disciples to join him on the mountain and to be with them, and he teaches, him, teaches them there. Then there's uh, Jesus in the transfiguration, where Jesus ascends the mountain, and there is Moses and Elijah, and God's voice says, this is my son whom I love, and am well pleased. And then there's this special moment of Jesus being uh, adorned as the son of God. We have then Jesus being tempted, or not tempted so much as uh, sort of tried and his moment of prayer and he's on mount of olives and he's praying and jesus is praying and he he gives himself to god's will he says let your will be done i trust in your plan so jesus already enduring suffering wants to obey 
God. And then there's Mount Golgotha where Jesus is crucified on the mountain again and Jesus is obedient and Jesus is humble and he gives his life. And there's yet another mountain in Matthew where he ascends and he climbs the mountain and he tells the guys the Great Commission and he says, all right, now go and make disciples. And he transcends it all and he's seated at the right hand of God and he ascends to heaven. Jesus is frequently going up the mountain, and I'm sure that all of those sermons have left a great impression. You remember all of what I shared several months ago, and there's a pop quiz on the way out uh, this morning. But I remind you of all of that, of spending time with Jesus on the mountain, because Hebrews, uh, because Jesus as he draws us back towards the story of Israel, and we experience Jesus living out the story only faithfully, showing himself as the true Son of God. As the Hebrews author then picks things up in Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read a chunk here for you. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched. This is Hebrews 12, 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm. He's talking about Mount Sinai. He's talking about the Israelites' story was is that Moses went up the mountain, and we all stayed back, and if you came near it, they would stone you because it was a holy mountain, and not just anybody could ascend the mountain. And God's presence was on the mountain. And so for you to just go up to it, well, that, that wasn't okay. In verse 19, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it they begged that no further word would be spoken to them. Like, that is too loud for me. They were all apparently not heavy metal listeners. But anyways, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Mount Sinai is a mountain of fear, it's a mountain of death, but it was also the powerful presence of God. But you, but you have come to a different mountain. You have come to Mount Zion. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names whose names are written in heaven you have come to god the judge of all to the spirits of the righteous made perfect you've come to jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of abel abel his blood cried out vengeance And Jesus' blood cries out mercy. And see to it then that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. What will remain? What is it that really matters? 
What is it that will really be sustained? What will last for eternity? Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Jesus draws us near to God through his work on the cross. And we have new life in him. And we are a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The journey that we've been on through studying God's word and connecting the dots should hopefully show you a picture of Jesus and his love. His love for each and every one of you. His love for the world that he gave his life for us that we would have eternal life in him. By now you should start seeing pictures of Jesus and his grace. And you should see glimpses of how God is at work even though we are just as likely to be like the Israelites and wander away from God, there is this beckoning call of God's grace and mercy to you, calling out each day, come home to me. There are echoes throughout the Scripture of God's mercy and faithfulness. Jesus' blood speaks a better word than Abel's. Abel's, it cried out for vengeance. It cried out for wrongs to be made right. And Jesus' blood cries for mercy and grace and love and for you all to be covered and cleansed in His blood. It is the blood of righteousness. It is the blood of truth and grace and mercy. The story of God's Word is a story of people who are just like you and me, with daily struggles and daily doubts, trials and temptations, and wondering, does God really care? It's a story of people filled with anxiety. It's a story of people who face sorrow and suffering. People who face death and loss of loved ones. People who struggle with worry and wondering, do I have enough for me today? And everything in between. And it's not just a story of people's failures. It's the story of God's faithfulness. It's the story of God never wanting to give up on his creation. Never wanting to give up on you and me. And so I know, I know that the preacher is going to tell you to do something and it's kind of like, well, how do I practically do that? Here it is. Would you fix your thoughts on Jesus? And would you start connecting the dots that you would see his mercy in your life and his grace in your life, his faithfulness for you? Would you look back to your past? And maybe there are some really, really hard moments there. Trials and things that you faced in your life that you don't wish to relive again. But as I'm looking at you, you're still upright today. And you're still here today. And God's still saying something to you in your heart right now about His love for you and His grace for you and what He's done for you. Would you start putting together these pictures?
so that you would see a fuller picture of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And when we see him for who he really is, I find for myself that it's much easier to fix my thoughts on him when I see him for who he truly is. My Lord, my King, my Savior, he is filled with grace and mercy and kindness for you. Would you fix your thoughts on King Jesus? And would you do one more thing? Would you encourage one another daily? Pop on Facebook. Shoot an encouraging note. In between it, you know, layer it with complaints, you know, and gripe about something. But, you know, slide a little. Don't do that. That doesn't seem right. Would you pick up the phone and make a phone call? Would you shoot a quick text message and say, hey, I'm thinking of and I'm praying for you. Let me know if you need anything. Would you bake cookies and deliver it to my doorstep? <laughs> Wait, that, that was not in the notes. Uh, would you encourage one another daily? Would you bless the people around you? And would you keep fixing your thoughts on Jesus our King, who gave you life and an eternal kingdom that no matter what happens and no matter how shaken the world is, you belong to a kingdom that is forever and eternal under King Jesus. That is your home. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Thank you for Jesus, our King. Let our hearts not wander and let our hearts not be hardened. Let us be comforted today to know that you are faithful, that you are good. God, we ask that your face would shine upon us, that you would turn towards us, that you would mark us as yours through your Spirit. God, that your work in us would begin again afresh today. That you would encourage us, Lord, to fix our thoughts on you. That we would think of you every day and every moment. God, that we would follow in the steps of our Savior Jesus. That in his trials and temptations was faithful. Lord, that we would be obedient to his teaching and trusting in your ways. Lord, that we would have a heart to serve and glorify you in all that we do. God, that we would trust in your will above our own. God, that we would share of the life that we have through the crucified Lord, who's risen from the dead. And God, may we make disciples, inviting more and more people to fix their thoughts on you, and to love one another daily. We thank you, God, for your mercy, your grace, and your kindness that's given us today. We turn our hearts to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand in response with us?